Let's talk taxes. Always an unpopular thing, but always a popular topic of conversation. It's September 1st, and that means there are some new taxes in and around us these days. If you live in Newfoundland and Labrador, you're going to be subject to the first sugar tax, the so-called soda tax in the country, which is now in place. Anyone who buys sugar-sweetened beverages, that includes energy drinks, iced teas, soda, etc., will pay an extra 20 cents a liter in sales tax. It's meant to help cure health issues such as obesity and diabetes. Will it work? Also today, Ottawa's luxury tax on high-priced cars, planes, and boats came into effect. Um, luxury cars and personal aircraft with a sale price over $100,000 and boats for personal use with a price tag of over $250,000 will be hit with a 10 to 20% tax. Now, Obviously, that one's not going to impact too many of us, right? Still, it's a new tax. What's it for? What's it? What purpose does it serve? Uh, did it need to be levied? Is it good policy? And to top it all off, because we were just going to stick with those first two, and then today, of course, the prime minister um, was in Winnipeg yesterday. The deputy prime minister, deputy prime minister, was defending that luxury tax by saying that it's great for Canadians to be successful, but they should be feel comfortable supporting everyone else. Well, I think they already pay a lot of taxes too. So we'll see. As I was mentioning, the Prime Minister was in Winnipeg today defending the carbon tax this time. After Manitoba's Premier had called on Ottawa to temporarily suspend it. Here's uh, Manitoba's Premier. Manitobans need that money now. So rather than taking the money away from them and going through rebates and all this, just leave the money with them. Heather Stephenson there uh, asking that the carbon tax be suspended for now because of the high cost of everything. Uh, of course, Manitoba is subject to the federal carbon tax because they don't have their own carbon tax. Um, Trudeau, though, says the average family in Manitoba is getting more money back through carbon tax rebates than they are paying. Here's the prime minister's defense. We found a way of fighting climate change while supporting families who need that support. And that's something we are going to continue to do. He also accused some premiers, without naming any, uh, of being dishonest when it comes to the carbon tax in so many words and describing how it works. Well, to sort this all out, to talk taxes, so to speak, joining me now is someone who knows this subject very well. He's the former federal assistant deputy minister of fiscal policy, in other words, taxes, and a former chief economist for the TD Bank, um, and now Stouffer Dunning Fellow and adjunct professor at the School of Policy Studies at Queen's University, none other than Don Drummond. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Hi, you're welcome. So we've seen another spat erupt over the carbon tax. Manitoba's premier, they don't have one, obviously, so they have one imposed on them by the federal government. She's asking that it be suspended because obviously uh, people in her province are feeling the pinch of inflation. Um, is that a good idea? First of all, we should realize the net incident of the proposed carbon tax isn't a hit on households because it's going to be recycled. So it's a bit out of one pocket, back into another pocket. So certainly for people below and up to middle incomes, we'll actually end up with more money. So it's a bit hard to play that game. Yes, some things will go up in price, but the revenue is going to be collected and it's going to be distributed back to people. So people are not going to be worse off from it. It's, you know, in economist terms, it's a relative price change. It's making carbon intensive things more expensive, but it's going to create an affordability to buy things that aren't as carbon intensive. So I, 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 it's a bit of a stretch, that argument. Yeah, I mean, what she's saying is that people need the money in their pockets now. They don't need to wait for rebates. I think that's the thrust of her argument about this one. Well, the rebates will come fairly quickly. 
as as they do with a low income GST credit, they come every quarterly and they're indexed. So I don't again, I don't think that's a big problem. And, and remember, the carbon tax is not getting up to very high levels for several years. Um, the prime minister took this opportunity uh, to uh, sort of criticize uh, premiers in general. Not we, I think we know who we're t- he's talking about, about not being honest about the carbon tax. I mean, as someone who knows very well from all sides of this argument uh, about how that works, uh, how true is that? A lot of people don't like it. Uh, in retrospect, maybe it shouldn't have been called the tax. Uh, you know, we have the Canada and Quebec pension plans, which have contributions and believe me, any government document is edited for a search if it's ever referred to as a tax. It's not a tax because you pay a premium, but you get something back. But the carbon tax is kind of like that as well. You will pay this or you're getting something back. Levy, in retrospect, probably would have been an invented name. I mean, people have a visceral reaction to the word tax. And nobody likes it. And, and yeah, fair enough. Uh, Never mind just the general rate of inflation. When we started to get gas prices going over $2 a liter, the prospect of the carbon levy increasing that more wasn't a, po- a positive one. But 10 years and 15 years time will stay because you don't often get to see economic experiments being conducted, but the United States is going in the opposite direction. They've not used the price device for their Biden's climate change. It's called an Inflation Reduction Act, but it has absolutely nothing to do with inflation. So right. talk about just picking your terminology. It, it is an environmental package and it's subsidizing cleaning up activity. You know, the argument and the economist arguments, and I was a member of the Ecofiscal when we made that, there's a more indirect and less efficient way. I always think of that uh, Beyonce's annoying song where she says about 50 times, uh, put a ring on it. I, the <laughs> motto is put a price on it. Right. I mean, there, there's a negative externality from consuming something that's emitting. So put a price on it so people will do it. And and the levy goes on to the people who are buying the emitting. It doesn't go into everybody. So I think there's a simplicity and there's an efficiency of it. But it'll be interesting to see how things shape out in the United States. Purely for political reasons, all the same arguments were made that they too should go into carbon levy. They, unlike our government, you know, they're really the, they are 50-50 in the Senate. They got a bare majority for the moment in the House of Representatives. They got a lot of the states that wouldn't agree to that. They just didn't think they could pull it off. But I still think it's the right way to go. Yeah, I just don't call it a tax. We've been talking about uh, jargon and bureaucraties today. That's interesting that they, they scan through those documents for the word tax to make sure it doesn't land wrong. Speaking of taxes, it's September the 1st. Uh, Ottawa has a new luxury tax on certain things, not everything that came into effect today, um, despite some warnings that it might hurt the economy. Uh, what do you make of that one? Because it seems, you know, it, it seems like it, it'll target a relatively small number of people. At the same time, um, it doesn't isn't proving to be too popular. Well, first of all, the vast majority of people can just forget about it. Um, you're not going to see a $250,000 boat in my driveway. I'm not sure it would fit in my driveway anyhow. I don't even know where I would put it. You know, I was, I was thinking about that today. I should have rushed down to the dealership and buy one. That struck me. I don't even know where you buy a $250,000. That's how far off that market most people would be. You know, you, you can count on your hand people around you that will be affected by this tax. But you know, having been the assistant deputy minister of tax policy, I still have a few principles left in my head. And and the principle of guiding tax policy, you make the base as broad as it can and use the rate as low as it can. You don't have exceptions and you don't have special taxes. And if you have a special tax, it has to be achieving a purpose. I really don't know what the purpose of this tax is. 
it's not to raise revenue. The Parliamentary Budget Office estimated 165 million, and that to you and me sounds like a lot of money, but the government spends over 300 billion. It doesn't even enter as a rounding error in their finances. This is not funding anything. Is there some ill that people are causing themselves or society by buying an expensive boat or car? I, I don't think so. We have special taxes on tobacco and alcohol, and that's because they're harmful to people and they're a huge source of the cost. Over a quarter of all the hospital days in Canada are related to alcohol and tobacco consumption. There's a huge cost of this, not just the individual, but on everybody else. And you put a tax to try to both deter their consumption and decrease revenues. But are we really trying to deter the consumption of particular types of cars and particular types of boats? I don't know that we are. I don't know why we would want. It's a very blunt instrument. Uh, perhaps you would want to tax somebody who's buying a gas-guzzling sports car that goes to zero to 100 kilometers in uh, 2.3 seconds. But if you wanted to do that, you would put it on the emissions of the vehicle because at the same breath, you're going to tax a nice, efficient electric car. That's not serving the purpose of this. So it really comes down to, I guess somebody thought people would feel good about soaking the rich, especially if they make what most of us would think is a frivolous consumption. But it's not that they're buying the boats and cars tax-free. They're paying the HST. They're paying it out of after-tax income. We have a very progressive tax system. So the wealthy pay not only more in absolute terms, they pay a higher percentage. So it's not trying to get at that purpose. All I can think of is this as another piece of evidence of the outbreak of so-called populism and that this is a feel-good measure that we're all going to feel good that we've got another pound of flesh out of the wealthy. But, it, but it's kind of interesting that people are not particularly taken with it and because it doesn't have a rationale. And, you know, history repeats itself. The U.S. used to have a luxury good tax. Uh, Canada used to have a jewelry tax. And we know exactly what will happen. The market will redefine itself in ways to avoid the tax. When you go to buy your $250,000 boat, they will say, here's an invoice for $240,000 and we'll give you the toilet next month for $10,000, but it's not going to appear on your invoice. A colossal waste of society's resources. You have to go back to collect the toilet and what are you going to do for a month? <laughs> you know, yeah. Hopefully you're not going to pollute the waters. You know, When we had the jewelry tax, we didn't want to hit lower income people. So there was a definition of cosmetic jewelry and whatever it was, somebody would bend the rule to try to get something else. The legislation went from 50 pages to 150 pages and it went on and on and on. And eventually in Canada, the United said, these are more trouble than they're worth. Just get rid of them. And that's what will happen to this in about nine years. You think, yeah, because it's a 10 to 20% tax. It doesn't apply to everything of that price. It seems very arbitrary. It's extremely uh, arbitrary and, and, it, and it has no purpose. It's not for environmental me measures. It's not to target people who are coming harm to anybody else. <laughs> it's not to protect domestic protection against foreign protection. It has nothing to it other than do we feel better that the wealthy have paid even more? And I don't know. I think the evidence suggests people aren't really driven by that desire. No. And also, I mean, what we've heard over the past little while, of course, is businesses that sell these things, they're also coming out of a pandemic, right? Or, you know, trying mm -hmm. to find business again. And they're saying, well, this is going to hurt us. And why? Like, well, why? How come if I build boats and sell them for $500,000, I get I get dinged with this. But if someone's selling RVs, they don't. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. And I guess to my example, do do you want to treat a $105,000 electric vehicle the same as uh, 
you know, an 800 horsepower sports vehicle that uh, is a huge polluter. I, I wouldn't think that you would, but you do under the stocks. I'm speaking with Don Drummond. He's the Stouffer Dunning Fellow and an adjunct professor at the School of Policy Studies at Queen's University. We're talking about taxes, first the carbon tax, then the new luxury tax, the federal one that came into force today, September the 1st. Meanwhile, in Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, they've introduced a new tax on sugar-sweetened beverages like soda, iced teas, energy drinks. Uh, The goal is to make people healthier. Uh, The province, of course, has some of the highest rates of diabetes and obesity in the country. Um, Critics say it's only going to impact the poorest in the province and won't make a much of a difference. It's about 20 cents a liter. It's been tried elsewhere. This isn't new, but it's the first time it's being tried in this country. Um, soda taxes in general, I mean, I know that they've been talked about in a lot of different jurisdictions. Uh, the first time we're trying this out here, uh, do they work? Well, coming back to the principles, at least there's a purpose. <laughs> right. Un- unlike the others, the purpose is to promote health and deter unhealthy behavior. That's why the super proposed before at least they have learned a lesson from previous experiences because previous experiences are put on taxes the equivalent of five cents a liter. And economist terms, they discovered the demand for sugary drinks is inelastic and it really doesn't affect your desire to purchase it and your habit of purchasing it by putting it on five cents a liter. It has to be steeper than that. So they've tried 20. If 20 is enough and time will tell, we'll observe the behavior. There is absolutely a regressive element of it we know that as people are more educated and they tend to have higher incomes and they're more educated, they tend to eat better. They learn that, they're taught that, they're more inclined to read the labels and the like, and people who eat less healthy are, and often don't have a choice. Uh, anybody who goes into a major city in Canada and goes into a lower income, you will not see a major full service grocery store. Right. You will see a corner store and guess what they sell? soft drinks and potato chips that's about it so you're you're kind of trapped into imprisoned by that and you can't get around with it i i think this makes more sense than a luxury tax it's certainly not a sufficient way education programs uh, changing the the way that the drinks are made and you know we get so many head fakes as we go to all these artificial sweeteners and now you get the evidence the artificial sweeteners are just as bad or even worse and i took over as assistant deputy minister of tax policy just after tobacco prices taxes have been raised to their highest limit. And if you think back to the mid-1990s, you will recall we had a raging contraband market in tobacco. That's, That's what right. we created by the taxes. Uh, you could hardly take your $250,000 boat across the St. Lawrence without getting mowed down with a smuggler bringing, bringing ta- tobacco over. And we ultimately, it was very distasteful to do, but we ultimately had to lower the tobacco taxes because actually the health aspect got worse because the contraband tobacco had fewer filters and cheaper filters than the the stuff we were that we were taxing. So you know that was an element where you keep pushing and pushing and pushing on the price side. And in the case of tobacco, we push further than the market would bear, and it just again speaks to the ingenuity, if you want to put it of people will go to the lengths of avoiding attack. Who knows? We could have a contraband market in soft drinks. Yeah, um, I can't I don't, imagine. I don't, yeah, think it'll, I, I don't think it'll have a big impact, and we should never lose sight that other more holistic approaches will have to be taken. 
Uh, I imagine other provinces, though, will be watching to see how this works out, because, again, it's one of those uh, issues that comes up a lot. I remember in the UK, it came up when I was there. Uh, it just looks like one of those things that, you know, that governments do to look like they're doing something about a problem that everyone knows exists and should be dealt with. Yes, and particularly devastating for the northern communities where there is 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 not the type of immunity to the sugar that will be evident in everybody and and yet the prevalence of the soft drinks is very very high and of course you see this prevalence of diabetes and again i don't think even if it's 20 cents a liter you're going to change all of that by putting a tax maybe it's one instrument and a, a broader approach but you still need that broader approach yeah and again again much like the luxury tax there are exceptions right this applies to certain things but not to other things and then you get into the whole debate over what's healthy what's not healthy what causes these things what doesn't uh and it, it seems like a, as always with these sorts of taxes it seems that you wander into a bit of a minefield uh when uh, it comes you're, to you're, defining you're, you're talking to somebody who worked on the implementation of the gst and i would love to uh, uh, recount all the hours that were spent debating whether it's five, six, or seven muffins that should be covered by the GST. <laughs> These are the kind of really important issues that you spend all your time on when you decide to make an exemption because you exempt basic groceries. But what do you do to somebody who's buying five muffins? Well, in this case, the answer is you tax them. But if they buy six, you don't. Not an awful lot of people buy muffins. Don Drummond, Talking Taxes, thank you so much for your insight on this tonight. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome.